Dragnets. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about eight minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. To my right is the vivacious one, Lisa Wolf, Dimply herself. I'm trying not to smile, but I just can't help it because here I am in the WGN Radio Studios, and it's Saturday night. Yeah, we'll be here till 2 o'clock in the morning playing your favorite classic radio shows. Shante Garth, our producer in the booth. It is June 1st. It is Saturday, and we have yours truly, Johnny Dollar, all night long, a five-part adventure, and then uh, we'll round out our last hour with a Vic and Sade broadcast. going to be a lot of fun, Lisa Wolf. Oh, I know. You know what? What? We have an amazing prize to give away in our game. It's really special. Tonight we have two tickets to give away for Ravinia Festival, which is located in Highland Park. And we're going to be giving away two tickets, not just to any show at Ravinia, but Tony Bennett, Under wow. the Stars, Lawn Seats. I don't know I'm what could be a better in night. to play against myself to win those tickets. Well, you're going to lose. <laughs> I probably will. You're going to lose. But we are going to have a winner here. They're going to win two tickets to see Tony Bennett, and I will be there as well. Um, so it'll be a, a little social. Are you going to be on a float? They're going to bring you out, like you know, I'm gonna halftime, be wearing, Lisa. Yeah, I'll be wearing a, a tiara, and they're just going right, to like, carry me out. Yeah, Cleopatra, Lisa. Yeah, sounds that's good. That's what they're going to do. When is that show? Um, that show is Friday night, June twenty first, which happens to be the first day of summer. Wow! And it's the best night to go see Tony Bennett at Ravinia. All right, you're going to win two tickets, folks. So when you play our game, Cat's Pride, is it real? Or is it ridiculous? Who's the celebrity? The celebrity is Uma Thurman. All right. Yeah, I know who she is. Good. That's Pulp a good fiction. start. Yes. Okay. Call us. Be the what caller? We're going to go with caller number five. All so right. call now, 312-981-7200. Call now and Ravin, Ravin, win two tickets to Ravinia lawn seats to see Tony Bennett. Come on, baby. Let's get We're going to get ridiculous. All right, we've got Marianne on the phone. Hi, Marianne. Hello, you guys. How are you? So good. How are you? Fantastic. Now, I love Tony Bennett, and I adore your shows. You guys are great. Thank you. We're so glad you made it through. You know you've already won two lawn tickets to see Tony Bennett, but we're going to have some fun first. Hi, Marianne. How are you? Hello, sweetheart. All right. All right. All right. right. Let's do this. I'm I'm a sweetheart. Well, she doesn't know you that well. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He can be sometimes. Very rarely. But I don't know him that way. Mm. Number one. In 2005, (laughs) Uma Thurman replaced Jennifer Lopez as the face of Louis Vuitton. Is that real or ridiculous? Real. Ooh. She said it pretty quick. It sounds like she knows what she's talking about, so I'm going to agree with Marianne. Marianne knows, and that is real, and she's absolutely right. Good job. Oh, wait Oops, a second. He's having trouble. There we go. 
he's a little slow with the sound effects, but he's working on it. There's like three buttons, so I'm you got to get him right. right. Number two, her first starring movie role was in Kiss Daddy Goodnight, 1987. Real or ridiculous? Ooh, hmm. 1987. Hmm. Very Jeez. good year. It was a good uh, year yeah. for wine. Well she, well, she was a teenager then. Um, I, I'd say no. Ooh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to yeah, say yes. I'll go with you. Okay, Marianne and Carl say yes. <laughs> then you're both right. And if you, yeah, if he wasn't right, yeah. Marianne, I would not have let you, let you switch. So it's all good. All right. Carl, we are on a roll. We kick butt. <laughs> She's the winner here. Number three, her performance in... I'm going to Tony Bennett with Marianne. You are not going to Tony Bennett yeah, with Marianne. there's two tickets. There's two. That's true. Number three. Her per- shall I pick you up? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have our limo uh, driver pick us both up. I'll meet you both there. Right. Her performance there in Pulp go. Fiction earned her an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Real or ridiculous? Say the question again. Sure. Please. Her performance in Pulp Fiction earned her an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, um, I would I would say she was nominated. Yeah, I agree. I, I think she was nominated. And she was, and that oh, is real. See, great. I couldn't even fool you. Dynamite! Carl, you're wonderful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and he's a sweetheart, too, right? <laughs> Marianne, Absolutely. what are your plans for the first day of summer, Friday night, June 21st? I am going to see... Tony Bennett at Ravinia. What are you guys doing? You are absolutely right. I am going to do the same thing. And how would you like to spend a romantic... I'm the only one left out of this whole thing, this whole Tony Bennett thing. Let me do this, please. (laughs) How would you like to spend a romantic evening under the Ravinia stars with 19-time Grammy Award-winning music icon, the legendary Tony Bennett? Okay, so... Right? He is I'm one ready, of the sweetheart. I, I am ready. I'm ready. He's one of the greatest <laughs> singers of our time, and his annual sold-out concerts are a highlight of the Ravinia Festival summer oh. season. And you know what song Tony always sings? I love my, my heart, heart in San Francisco. There we I wonder go. if he would want me to sing that with him as a duet. He might call yeah. you up on uh, the okay. stage. Okay, well, that would get me there then. <laughs> that is true. He's got his daughter coming, Antonia Bennett. That's his special guest star. And, of course, Ravinia has state-of-the-art video screens on both sides of the stage for perfect viewing. It's going to be a fantastic evening. Marianne, thank you so much for calling, and I'm so excited for you. And I'll see you thank at Ravinia on Friday night, June thank 21st. You, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> enjoy Bye-bye. Enjoy those tickets. You know, I have two of my really good friends in the studio, Jim and Luann. It's so nice to have them here. They said they don't want to talk on the air. Well, they don't want to talk. You don't even want to say okay. hello. Can you just say hi? I'll say hi. Oh, hey, say hi. Just say hi. Hello. All right. They're here. They're going to listen to yours truly, Johnny Dollar. They brought us snacks. They're the best. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Luann. Well, you thank guys you are for so, having you know, us. Oh, it's this great to have you here. Fabulous. You love the studio. It looks good. You like it, Jim? Fantastic. All right. They lie. I gave them a tour, Lisa. It, I know. I was hiding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? It is time for yours truly, Johnny Dollar Five Part Adventure. And this is called The Calicles Matter. It's part one from April 30th, 1956. Bob Bailey as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for Johnny Dollar. 
This is Robert Ecker, Mr. Parsons' secretary. You telephone this office for an appointment with Mr. Parsons. That's right. I'm an investigator, Mr. Ecker. I was sent here by Eastern Casualty and Trust. We understand David Parsons is missing. I want to talk to Mr. Parsons Sr. about it. Oh. Well, Mr. Parsons Sr. isn't in the office today. He's home ill. This is pretty important, Mr. Ecker. Maybe I better call him at home. Why don't you come to the office? I'll try to arrange to take you out there. I don't want to be a lot of trouble. There'd be more trouble if I didn't. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Eastern Casualty and Trust Company, number 25 Yardley Boulevard, Boston, Massachusetts. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Calicles matter. Expense account item one, $200.05, airfare and incidentals, Hartford to Los Angeles. I arrived at midnight, went straight to the Beverly Hilton, had a good night's sleep, and woke up to an early spring heat wave. By nine o'clock, I had placed my call to Parsons, Stocks, and Bonds. At 10 o'clock, I met Robert Ecker in person. He was a man about my age with a thin face and good clothes. Judging from his office, the job of secretary was a pretty responsible one. I don't quite understand this, Mr. Dollar. What made you think that Mr. Parsons Jr. is missing? Is he around? You mean, is he in town? Yeah, is he in town? Is he around? Can I see him? Well, none of us exactly knows where he is, but he's not what you'd call missing. Well, now, that depends on how you look at it, Mr. Ecker. We understand David Parsons hasn't been seen for ten days. Is my information wrong? Well, no, no, what you say is true. You mean you're here to look into the matter? That's about it. May I say something? Sure. When you're speaking of David Parsons in front of his father, Mr. Parsons Sr., I suggest that you don't use that word missing. I'll try to remember that. The connotation might upset him. I'm certain he doesn't regard Mr. Parsons' absence in the missing sense. Maybe you can tell me how he does regard it. I'm afraid I can't. Mr. Parsons Sr. doesn't confide in me. How about David Parsons' wife? Sorry. How about your own opinion? I'd rather keep my opinions to myself, Mr. Dollar. There's nothing personal, but uh, Mr. Parsons Sr. is very adamant about certain matters. In other words, uh, Mr. Parsons Sr. does all of the thinking for publication. So to speak, yes. What concern does the uh, Eastern... Casualty and Trust Company have in this matter? Yes. Yeah, so what is the bonding company's concern? $100,000. It was an automatic write-up on David Parsons, Jr. when he entered the firm. I still don't understand. David Parsons had access to great amounts of money and transferable bonds here. That's where we're responsible, Mr. Ecker. Is that an inference? If it sounds like I'm worried that David Parsons might have walked off with some money or some bonds, it's an inference. That's rather ridiculous, isn't it? I don't know whether it is or not, Mr. Ecker. Well, I regard it that way. Mr. Parsons is worth a considerable amount of money. A million dollars would be a conservative estimate of his fortune. His father, of course, is, well, Mr. Parsons Sr. Yes, we're well aware of Mr. Parsons' holding. But sometimes things aren't what they seem. You know what I mean? No, I'm afraid I don't know exactly what you mean, Mr. Dollar. Well, now, uh, take these, for instance. Mr. Dollar. Take these. Just what? Here, these copies of Eastern Casualties policies on your desk, Mr. Ecker. Now, let's see, you call me about nine. It's a little after ten now. 
That gave you an hour to dig them out, study them over, and answer for yourself the exact questions you've been making me answer. Isn't that about it, Mr. Ecker? Yes. Yes, I'd say that's just about it, Mr. Dollar. Robert Ecker drove me out to the Bel Air home of David Parsons Sr. On the way, he spoke of the weather, the situation in Algiers, uh, the trouble he had making reservations for weekends in Palm Springs, and the low fuel consumption of his new Studebaker Golden Hawk. He avoided very carefully any further mention of David Parsons Jr., the missing son. I put a couple of direct questions to him, which he answered indirectly by referring me to Mr. Parsons Sr. So I let it go at that. Jenny? Jenny? Somebody must be around. You said your phone. I did. Jenny? Oh, hello. Hello, Robert. Nobody around? No one so far. They must be upstairs. He's been at it today. Called me over here an hour ago. Oh, I'm Mrs. Parsons. I'm Johnny Dollar. How do you do? I beg your pardon. You shouldn't, Robert. It was purposeful. Uh, Mrs. Parsons. I'm the one you're not supposed to meet, Mr. Dollar. I'm David's wife. I just received orders from upstairs that this matter will be handled upstairs. Is that so? Oh, yes, that's quite so. My father-in-law feels that he has extraordinary competence in this matter. As in all matters, huh, Robert? We'd better get along, Mr. Dollar. How do you feel? No, I feel fine. I mean about your father-in-law handling it. That makes very little difference, Mr. Dollar. It's my husband who's missing, but his son. You're a, a policeman or a detective, aren't you? In a way, yes. You look like a very charming man, Mr. Dollar. Becker! Becker, let you down there! Just a moment, Mr. Parsons. Hurry up! <laughs> you may have to practice some charm on him. Thank you for the tip, Mrs. Parsons. Not at all. It was nice to have met you. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Mrs. Parsons. We'd better get up there. Ecker! Robert Ecker led me upstairs into a massive bedroom that could only have been decorated for a massive old man, which is exactly what David Parsons Sr. turned out to be. Six and a half feet tall, I guessed at it, since he was stretched out in bed. He had a pair of coal black eyes and white hair liberally sprinkled with gray. He spilled a briefcase full of papers and documents off the bed, punched his pillow around, and glared hard at me. What's his name? This is Mr. Dollar, Mr. Parsons. You see if he had any credentials? No, sir. Well, I... find out! Mr. Dollar. Sure, sure. Here, look these over. I'll look them over. Hand them to me. Yes, Mr. Parsons. They could be forgeries. He could be a newspaper reporter, something like that. Go downstairs and use the hall phone. Call this company and see if they have anyone named Johnny Dollar working for them. Hurry it up. Yes, sir. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Those credentials are genuine. You know it and I know it, Mr. Parsons. I'm not waiting around here while you call Boston and talk to someone there you won't believe either. Now, I'm at the Beverly Hilton. You call me when you've made up your mind to talk about this matter. Fine. Now, get out. I got in town last night and contacted your office first thing. I wanted to talk to you about it first for several reasons. One, you're David Parsons' father. It's your company, not his, that can be jeopardized in a situation like this. Two, you seem the logical man to see to clear up the matter easily. Now that I've seen you, I'm not so sure of that. I'll have to go to somebody else. Wait a minute. What do you mean, go to somebody else? I mean, I'm not going to sit in a hotel room cooling my heels waiting for you to call me. I have to find out about this, and there are other people to talk to. Your son's wife, the whole household. <laughs> they wouldn't let you in. The police, if I have to. I'd break you. I'd break you in half. Then I'd get pretty mad, and both halves of me would figure this thing out if it took a million years and a million dollars. Ecker. Yes, sir? Get out of here. Yes, sir. You've got five minutes. 
I've got five minutes and ten minutes and a million minutes if I need them. We have a report your son's been missing for ten days now. One of our brokers reported it. He happened to be one of your son's clients. Missing. All right, where is he? How would I know? I take that to mean you don't know. Do you have any ideas? Of course not. Have you had an audit of your books since he disappeared? What? Have you had an audit? Is there anything missing? Bonds, cash in the company? Ecker! Ecker! Throw this bum out of here and make sure he bounces a couple of times. Mr. Parsons... Throw him out! I've got you by a good 25 pounds, Ecker. Maybe you'd better leave, Mr. Dollar. I think I'll stay. Oh, if I could get out of this bed, I'd do it myself. Run along, Mr. Wrecker. He'll calm down. I can wait him out. You leave without throwing him out and you're fired. Throw him out! I'll wait for you downstairs, Mr. Dollar. All right. Sit down. What day is today? Friday. It was a week ago Tuesday. David left the house, according to his wife, and that's the last anyone saw him. No word, nothing since then. No police? Of course not, no police. I can hear you, I can hear you. Why? You know why as well as I do. An investment broker missing. What the papers wouldn't do with that? What's been going on? Nothing. We've been waiting to hear from him. No one's done anything? What is there to do that won't bring out the press? Look, I'm not worried about the press. I'm worried about your son, Mr. Parsons. Whatever happened to him has had a ten-day start, and nothing's been done about it. Now, how about the books? What about them? Have you had an audit? Now, look here, you Keep young... Your voice now, will you? I ask you a simple question. Have you found anything missing? I haven't looked. Where are you going? Well, if what you say is true, no one's seen or heard of David Parsons for ten days, then I'm going to get some help. What help? Police. I don't want any police in on this. How much does your responsibility come to? A hundred thousand dollars. I'll post it in cash. You'll what? I'll post that amount of money and assume your liability, if there is a liability. You'll never get a fair offer than that. I don't want this matter to get into the papers. Well? Look, Mr. Parsons, we have assumed liability, and we can't transfer it at this date. It's, it's out of the question. So let's start our planning from there. I met Mrs. Parsons downstairs. I understand she's not supposed to meet me or see me. Now, is that right? Yeah. Well, you better fix up that part of it. That's so? Yeah. Suppose I don't. I'll see her anyhow. Get out of here! He was looking for something to throw when I stepped out the door and walked down the hall to the stairway. At the foot of the stairs, I looked around for Robert Eckert, who wasn't around. I found my head by the door, and then I ran into Mrs. Parsons again. Mr. Dollar. Yes? What's been decided? What's he going to do about David? Well, it's pretty hard to say what he's going to do about anything. What are you going to do? I was going to drive over to your house this afternoon and ask you to go to the police and make out a missing persons report. If you refused to do that, I was going to the police myself and ask their help. Oh. Do you think that's the thing to do? I mean, a missing person report? Yep. I think that's the thing to do. I'll be home later this afternoon. He might hear it. All right. You say two o'clock? Fine. You cool off? Oh, for a second or two. <laughs> Some museum piece he is. Be careful of him, Mr. Dollar. He'll break your heart. He's your kind. You're his dish of meat. Yeah. I didn't pay much attention to that remark from Robert Ecker. I thought about Svengali and Rasputin and a couple of fellas like that. I didn't think of Parsons Sr. in the same class with them. But I should have guessed it. Ecker's trying to tell me, but I just wouldn't listen.
Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, some more facts about how the Earth swallowed a man. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. That is part one of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, The Calicles Matter. That is from April 30th, 1956. Bob Bailey as uh, the man with the action-packed expense account. We have four more episodes. You know, for a time in the 1950s, Lisa, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, switched to a five-part per week. It was 15 minutes a day, Monday through Friday. And they told one story in that five parts, which was really interesting because prior and then for some time afterwards, it was a 30-minute weekly series. But it was so popular on the radio that the producers of the show and CBS said, we need more Johnny Dollar. So they said, hey, let's just do this five times a week, one story in a 15-minute installment each day. And so we have a couple years of that, and we're playing one of those shows uh, tonight on the WGN Radio Theater. Well, I think that's our goal here for the WGN Radio Theater is to be on More. five nights a week, yeah. Monday through Friday. Yeah. Play classic radio. Hey, give Todd a call. Well, you know, it's on my things to do list. All right, give him uh, about give it. him a call. Send him a send him a card or a text or a Venmo or no, one of very those close. whatever whatever electronic thing you do. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, well, we'll get back to Johnny Dollar. News is coming up in a few minutes, but first, these words. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, 11:38. Thanks, David. And we're listening to yours truly, Johnny Dollar, one of the best detective shows. I mean, I don't know if he was a detective. He was an insurance investigator. He really wasn't a detective per se, but he was um, he was investigating insurance scams, and he would get a piece of the action. So he was after you if you tried to pull a fast one over Lloyd's of London or one of the other insurance companies. I wouldn't pull a fast one. That would be your job. Carl. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because I'm a ne'er-do-well, and you're not. That's right? a saying that most people don't use today. Really? Yeah, it's antiquated. Yeah. It is. Yeah, ne'er-do-well. So I'm going to say it a bunch of times. Good. Then. Say it one more time. Ne'er-do-well. Three is a charm. That? There you go. All right. Well, uh, Johnny Dollar was not a ne'er-do-well. He'd catch ne'er-do-wells. I said it two more times. There you go. Five. <laughs> okay, we're good now. All right. Now it's time for part two from May 1st, 1956, The Calicles Matter. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. This is Mrs. David Parsons. Well... I called Mr. Ecker and he told me where you're staying. I was just on my way out to your home, Mrs. Parsons. I'd rather you didn't come to the house, Mr. Dollar. Couldn't I meet you somewhere? Well, sure. Better still, why don't I come by your hotel and pick you up? That'll be all right. Fifteen minutes, is that too soon? That's fine. Uh, Mrs. Parsons? Yes? Your father-in-law know you're meeting me? If he did, I think he'd kill me. Johnny Dollar. 
Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Eastern Casualty and Trust Company, number 25 Yardley Boulevard, Boston, Massachusetts. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Calicles matter. Item 2, $4.55, one long-distance phone call to Dave Blaine, Chief Investigator for Eastern Casualty. I explained to him that in spite of our information that David Parsons, Jr. had been missing for 10 days... People in Los Angeles connected with him seemed indifferent or irritated by an investigation. I told him how old man Parsons had tried to throw me out three times when I got around to suggesting that perhaps his son might have flown the coop with some money and bonds. Blaine told me to keep trying and keep on trying to get to the bottom of it. I took him at his word. It was a little after two o'clock when I saw Mrs. Dorothy Parsons pull up in front of the Beverly Hilton lobby. She wore a ribbon to hold her hair back in the convertible. A sundress showed off a pair of well-tanned shoulders. The dark glasses, the cigarette holder, and the smile did the rest in making her a very pretty woman. I suppose I look worried. I keep you waiting long? No, 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 not at all. What matter? Oh, I don't know. Yes, I do, too. It, it just struck me. I'm here to see about your missing husband. Now it looks like we're going on a picnic. You don't have to wear sackcloth and ashes to do your job. No, really, do you? Well, it sometimes helps on a job like this. You disapprove of me, don't you? I disapprove of everybody. I have to, Mrs. Parsons. All the time? Forever? Only until the thing's straightened out. Until you separate the chaff from the wheat, I suppose. Yeah. Where are we going? Well, I thought you might like a drive down by the ocean. I'd rather be facing you across a desk. You shan't do that, Mr. Dollar. I won't allow it. Stop looking so glum. How's that? Oh, I don't know. I just don't know. Would you feel any better if you faced me across a luncheon table? That's as close to a desk as I can think of. Yeah, let's try that out. I gave her what I could of a smile and let her think it over. She drove well, keeping her eyes to the road, both hands on the wheel. She was a careful kind. The rearview mirror was adjusted two or three times looking for traffic cops. We went off Sunset Boulevard and onto the road that is set right by the ocean. The sun was shining. The air was warm. And I got to thinking, what business did I have worrying about a missing man on such a nice day? Oh. What is it? Come on. I'm tired of driving. Let's walk along that lovely strip of beach. Oh, uh, now, wait please, a minute. Please, Mr. Dollar, please. It's such a lovely day and the air is so good. Walk with me. Talk with me. Just a little while and then we can talk about all these other things, please. I married David when I was not quite 18. He was almost 30. You see, that was 14 years ago. 14 years. Go on. He joined his father's firm, and he's been there ever since. We live well, socially, economically. I guess I belong to the keep-your-social-position-in-mind club, don't I? I don't know. What do you think of me? I, uh, met you today to talk about your husband, Mrs. Parsons. But I've been talking about my husband. I told you about meeting him, about being married to him. What else is there to tell? 
Now tell me about missing him. What can I tell you about that? Well, where he is, for one thing. I don't know. Any ideas? No, none. You're so pretty, I almost believe you. Oh, you are a human being. But I don't believe you. I don't care. Tell me how pretty I am. I don't understand you. I didn't understand your father-in-law. David Parsons is missing. No one wants to talk about it, do anything about it, make any moves. Now, what is this? You're cross with me now. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I'd assume you'd want me to talk to somebody about your husband. You'd want to talk to somebody, too, that you'd, that you'd want him back, want to know if he's well, if he's in trouble. And what happens? You spend an hour on a sunny afternoon showing me your best profile, doing everything, but getting down to the business at hand. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I guess I don't blame you. What is it you want to know? When did you see him last? Last Tuesday morning at breakfast at home. Tell me about him. There's nothing to tell, really. He ate his breakfast, read his paper, put on his coat, kissed me and left. I called his office at noon about something or other and his secretary told me he hadn't come in. I really didn't know he wasn't around till Wednesday afternoon late. How's that? Well, Tuesday night I... I went out with friends. Wednesday I slept late. I presumed David was in bed when I came in. I didn't look in his bedroom. Wednesday afternoon, Mr. Ecker called and asked to speak to David. Mr. Ecker told me David hadn't been in his office all day Tuesday. I checked his bedroom and his bed hadn't been slept in Tuesday night, so I called my father-in-law. Why didn't you call the police? Why should I? It only seems reasonable to me. Go on. Mr. Parsons told me not to mention the matter to anyone, that he'd take care of it. He hinted... Oh. I'm bad at this, Johnny, because you have no idea... Well, I mean, Mr. Parsons Sr. doesn't hint. He's a very blunt person. I met him this morning, yeah. But I'll say he hinted that David might have gone off with someone else. I see. Has he ever disappeared before? Yes, many times. When was the last time? Oh, last fall. For three days he was gone. And before that, it was in the spring. He was gone for a matter of five or six days. When he came home on these occasions, uh, what did he say? What did he do? Nothing. Oh, no, I can't believe that. I mean, if he's gone a few days without leaving any kind of word, when he returned, he must have had some explanation for it. Oh, I suppose he did. He might have said something about getting even. I, I don't recall. Well, look at me. Now, this is serious. I'm looking at you. You said you've been married to him 14 years. You said he joined his father's firm shortly after. Yes. What did he do before that? He studied and traveled. Didn't work? Well, he wrote or something. I don't know. What kind of a man is he? He's David Parsons, Jr. He's impeccable, brilliant, and honest. As a husband? Aren't you overstepping yourself somewhere? A lot of personal questions will have to be answered about him by someone. He's a very devoted husband and father. Except for those times when he disappears. Except for those times, yes. Do you suppose he'll reappear this time? Yes, of course. Why? Don't you? He's your husband, not mine. Wind's coming up. Yes. Do you like some lunch? I feel very much like going home. All right. Mrs. Parsons. Yes. Did you expect me to make love to you out here this afternoon? What kind of question is that? It's to the point. Did you? Yes. Why? 
It's not a nice question to ask me. I think sometimes I'm quite attractive. I think you must be attractive all the time. Thank you. Why didn't you kiss me? We uh, don't have to go into that. Unless, of course, you want to tell me why you stalled me all afternoon. Do you? Touché, Mr. Dollar. One thing more. When I spoke with you earlier, you asked my advice in this matter. I advise you call the police about your husband. Did you? You know I did. I also advise your father-in-law to do the same thing. He said he'd kill me and himself before he'd call the police in. You said, or I thought you said, you'd call him in anyhow. That you were concerned about your husband and wanted him found. Did I get that wrong? I don't want any police, Mr. Dollar. I don't think they're necessary. David will come back. No police. What made you change your mind? Your father-in-law? You said you only had one more question. I lied. I've got a thousand questions. I should call home. Come on. We walked up to the highway and climbed back into the car. She drove to the nearest filling station and public telephone booth. I waited in the car while she made a phone call. Some high school kids drove up in a jalopy and sweatshirts and jeans. They waved ten pounds of wieners at me for no reason at all and asked me if I'd like to go on a wiener fry. I told him no. An old man with a bamboo fishing pole came in. He dropped a soggy gunny sack on the pavement while he disappeared around at the back. I went over and peeked in. Three pretty good-sized perch smelled out at me. I looked off at the ocean, just in time to see a pair of surfboard riders catch the creamy top of a roller, climb up on their feet, and wave to their girlfriends sitting in the sand. Nothing was wrong with the world. Nothing at all. Life was going on just fine. David Parsons, Jr. had been missing ten days, and nothing was wrong at all. I lit up a cigarette. What difference did it make if a man was missing ten days? Not a bit. Especially to his wife, who looked her prettiest when she told me practically nothing about his disappearance. The ashes fell on my lap. I'm sorry I took so terribly long, Mr. Dollar. I had to call my father-in-law's home, too. There was a message for me. Look... I'm afraid I'm going to have to go over your head, your father-in-law's head, everybody's. When I get back in town, I'm going to tell the police about this. I just decided while I was sitting waiting for you. There won't be any need for that. Huh? David's come back. What? He's home. Now, that was the message. He'll be there when we get there. You see, all of your worry was for nothing. You and I, we could have had a perfectly lovely afternoon if we'd known this, couldn't we? If you say so, Mrs. Parsons. You all right, brother? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, take it easy. Better give me a hand with her. Can somebody call an ambulance? Yeah, sure. You you take it easy. I'll take care of her until... What is it? I'm sorry, mister. She's dead. Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, trouble comes early and stays late. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. There you have it. That's part two of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, the Calicles Matter from May 1st, 1956. We will have three more episodes of Johnny Dollar this evening, all the way to 2 o'clock in the morning. Then to round out the show, we have a quarter-hour Vic and Sade program, and people are clamoring for Vic and Sade. They love Vic and Sade. And uh, that's our lineup. And then when we come back here um, for Sunday night, what do we have, Lisa? Oh, uh, yeah. Sunday night, mm. we have Life with Luigi, which oh, I know yeah. is your mom's favorite, right. and the CBS Radio Workshop. All right. Well, stick around. Much more classic radio and hijinks coming your way. Well, we have three more episodes of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. And, you know, fans of the show have been texting in, I love Johnny Dollar, love Johnny Dollar. Yeah, it was one of the best of the uh, detective-slash-mystery shows Really great. There was a lot of actors that played Johnny Dollar over the run. Um, in fact, Dick Powell, and I think it was part of our fun fact last time, Dick Powell was um, the person who starred in the audition episode. Then he went on to play um, another role. I think it was Richard Diamond, Private Detective. But he, uh, there was Charles Russells. There was uh, uh, Edmund O'Brien. There was uh, Mandel Kramer. There was a lot of actors that played the role. But I don't think anybody played it better than Bob Bailey, and Bob Bailey is on the uh, the five-part uh, Johnny Dollar show. So more coming your way, plus Vic and Sade. want to remind all of our listeners about the Classic Radio Club. If you are not a member, you should be, and you can join for only a dollar the first month, and you'll get 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. And, Lisa, the June shows are coming out. And there's a ton of great stuff on there. And you can get them on CD or you can get a digital download. Either way, uh, you can check it all out at ClassicRadioClub.com. We'd love to have you join in. Yeah, join in like hundreds and hundreds of uh, of your fellow listeners who are part of the Classic Radio Club. We love it. We started this club for our listeners, and we hope you enjoy it. ClassicRadioClub.com. Well, another two uh, tickets to give away, right? Yes, we've got two more lawn seats to go see the amazing legendary Tony Bennett at Ravinia Festival in Highland Park. I will be there. And Marianne, who won last hour, will be there. And we've got two more to give away in just a couple minutes, uh, about five minutes after we do some news traffic with uh, who's up there. Oh, that's uh, David Jennings up there. Hey, David. Yeah. So, oh, there he is. There's, boy, just if my voice could be a little deeper, I'd sound like David. You're so close. You almost sound the same. You and David have very similar voices. I wonder what I I could do. can't tell you apart sometimes. say, Say something, David. And let me see if I can match that. Hello. Hello. It's <laughs> pretty close. David, he can't even try, so he went the other no, way. He's, he's more like, down. hello. <laughs> A little it's Mickey like, Mousey. <laughs> Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, we're back. It is 12.06. Thank you, David. And in this hour, it's another two chapters 
of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. We will have part three and part four of the Calicles Matter from 1956, starring Bob Bailey. But first, we're going to play our game, Cat's Pride. Is it real or is it ridiculous? And this is a very special night because we are going to be giving away two pairs of lawn tickets. Well, we already gave away one pair, so we're going to give away a second pair of lawn tickets to see Tony Bennett at Ravinia Festival, which is in wow. Highland Park. This is for the first day of summer, June 21st, and uh, the winner of Real or Ridiculous is going to win that. We are going to be talking about uh, Morgan Freeman. And we are looking for the fourth caller. So you can call right now, 312-981-7200. And we'll play a little real or ridiculous. Yep. We'll be right back. Come on, baby. All right. We're going to get ridiculous. We have Julie on the phone. Hi, Julie. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Hi, Julie. I'm doing great. Hi. All well, right. we're excited. You've already won two tickets to see Tony Bennett at Ravinia. But first, we're going to play a little real or ridiculous with Morgan Freeman. And Luann is going to join us. I know that. Yeah. I got it covered. She, she's got two lifelines. You have two lifelines, Julie. Well, okay. if I were you, I wouldn't take them. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Julie, we're going to start with you. Morgan Freeman studied Mandarin at UCLA and speaks it fluently. Real or ridiculous? What do you think? Ridiculous. Luann? Ridiculous. Carl? I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say real. It is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he does speak French, so you're very close. So here's here's for me. (laughs) And here's for Julie and and Luann. We're off to a good start. Number uh, not two. Not for me, we're not. <laughs> I know. Number two. He served from 1995, I'm sorry, from 1955 to 1959 in the Air Force. Real or ridiculous? What do you think, Julie? Hmm. I, I would say real. Real? Luann? I'm going to say ridiculous. Ridiculous. Hmm. Carl has to think I'm going with Luann. Ridiculous. It is real. You oh, should be listening man. to Julie. Here's for here's for Julie. And here is for Luann and me. <laughs> Luann, just stick with Julie. Okay, number three. I'm like 0 for 2 here. I noticed that. I wasn't going to say anything, though. I stink number, at this game. I didn't say it. Number three. He wrote a cookbook and titled it Morgan Freeman and Friends Caribbean Cooking for a Cause. Real or ridiculous? Uh, ridiculous. <laughs> Luann? I'm going to say real. Real. Okay, you know, well. You know what? It sounds real, but Lisa is very sneaky, so I'm going to say ridiculous. It is real. Carl, what? you're 0 for 3. Luann, you got this All one. Right, so here's Julie, for... you got 2 out of 3, Wait, so, so Julian well. Car- here's Julian Carl. <laughs> and here's for Luann. Uh, well, um, you did a good Julie, job. You have no Carl. idea what it's like Julie, to deal with. You did a great job. She loves when I get these wrong. It gives her such pleasure. But I love when you get it right, Julie. And you know what? The great news is here. Um, Julie, what are your plans for the first day of summer, Friday night, June 21st? 
I guess I'm going to Ravinia. That's right. Would you like to spend a romantic evening under the Ravinia stars with 19-time Grammy Award-winning music icon, the legendary Tony Bennett? He is one of the greatest singers of our time, Julie. His annual sold-out concerts are a highlight of the Ravinia Festival summer season, and he always sings... What? I love my heart. I want Julie to sing it. Okay. <laughs> in San Francisco, he sings it at every performance. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tony Bennett's manager just called me. He wants me to. It's a she. A, it's a she. She <laughs> wants me to sing a duet with, with Tony. Well, we're gonna work on that for you. Come as my partner. I will. I will. And he's not kidding, Julie. So you know what? This is going to be an awesome night. And of course, Ravinia has state-of-the-art video screens on both sides of the stage. You get perfect viewing. It's a wonderful night under the stars. I will be there, and I cannot wait. And Julie, congratulations. Thank you so much for playing. You are a big winner of the night. I'm sorry, what'd you say? This is a perfect perfect birthday gift. Thank you. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. It's a great gift. So Way thank you go, so much. Julie. I'm so glad that you Fantastic. won. Fantastic. Have fun. Thank you. Thank you. Did I get all three wrong? You did. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Luann, how many did you get? Did you get two right? Two right. Luann got two. This is the first time she's ever played. got two. Wait, so Luann's first time she's playing the game here. She got two right. I've played it for five years. I got all three wrong. Yeah. Well, what can I tell you? I mean, I didn't want to That's point like it my out. Theme. This is my theme song. I don't actually like to make you feel badly or yeah, anything. Yeah, no. Sure you <laughs> I don't. like to bring you up, Carl. Oh, gosh. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll do better in our third maybe hour. Maybe next time. All right. Well, we're listening to yours truly, Johnny Dollar. We have a text in line, though. I never gave that out tonight. We do. 312 I'm re- I said that. 7200. 7200. 7200. Right. I read all I'm of your right. texts. I I'm try right. to answer, but I do read all of them. Um, and so I do appreciate your texting in. Yep, and, we love um, it. We love getting your texts. And I love to talk to our listeners, and I'm so happy that we're here. Yeah, if you've never texted us, text Johnny us in. Dollar. We love hearing text from you. Text us in. <laughs> text us in. <laughs> All right. But use 7200, right? Because that's the one Lisa says. 981 Yeah, Lisa says 7200. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. Or 720. What? 7200. <laughs> we are on AM 720, yeah. though, so you were so close. 312 981 That's the way it is. Okay. All right. You can text there. All right. How about part three now of yours truly, Johnny Dollar? It's time. Bob Bailey starts. Let's go back to May 2nd, 1956. Part three of the Calicles Matter on yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. What are you doing lying around the hospital? This is Dave Blaine, Johnny. Are you here in Los Angeles? No, I'm in Boston still. What happened? I was with Mrs. Parsons this afternoon, trying to find out what happened to her husband. She missed a turn in the road. How is she? Is she all right? She was killed, Dave. Oh, good look. Johnny, what can I do to help? Nothing, Dave. Nothing much to do now. Parsons is back, and, well, now he's back, I'll wrap it up. Johnny, what is it, pal? She was a pretty nice person, Dave. I saw her die. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. 
expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. To the Eastern Casualty and Trust Company, number 25, Yardley Boulevard, Boston, Massachusetts. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Calicles matter. Item 3, 26 cents for a package of cigarettes, which the night nurse at St. John's Hospital bought for me. She also brought in a sedative. That was the last thing I remembered until about 5 o'clock in the morning. Look out, look out! Look out! Mr. Dollar! Shh, here, here. You've got a bad dream. Yeah, yeah, I guess. You just lie down. You, you... You need some rest. Yeah. Can I get you anything, Mr. Dollar? Some water? No, no, sister, no, no, thank you. What's your name? I'm Sister Amadea. You... You weren't here when they brought me in. No. Now you just go back to sleep. Uh, Sister, wait. Yes? I'd like to talk to you about it. Of course. You mean the accident? Yes. Yes. uh, All of it. I... I feel better. Well, we want you to do that. Certainly. I... came to Los Angeles for an insurance company back east... Mm -hmm. We had a report that a big executive in a stock firm out here was missing. I see. A man named David Parsons, junior partner with his father in the stock and bond business. Oh, yes, I've heard of the Parsons family. I talked to a man named Ecker, old Mr. Parsons' secretary. Mm Mm-hmm. Ecker took me out to see the old man. He was pretty nasty. Wouldn't talk much about his son being gone for ten days. Then I met David Parsons' wife. I told her I thought the matter should go to the police. She agreed with me. But later on this afternoon out by the ocean, she said she expected him to come back. She called the house, and they said David Parsons had come back. It was a strange afternoon, sister. I mean, we sat in the sand and talked about these things. I could have fallen in love with her. Maybe I did. I'll never know. Sister Amadea. Oh, Mr. Dollar, you're more shaken up than you think. Uh, really, you should... I'll never get used to things like this. Shh. Now you just sleep, Mr. Dollar. Go on now, go to sleep. The world becomes very heavy sometimes. I'll just go to sleep. Item four, $14.95, one night in the hospital. When I got back to the Beverly Hilton, I bought a copy of the morning paper, ordered some lunch, and sat down to read about my accident. An unidentified woman was killed. An unidentified man was slightly injured in a car crash on Sunset Boulevard the afternoon before. No names, no details, no nothing. Strange. But even stranger was the appearance of Robert Ecker, old man Parsons' secretary at my door. Then I didn't know why his eyes were red-rimmed. Hello, Dollar. How do you feel? Oh, all right now, I guess. Come in. This whole thing's pretty terrible, Dollar. I I just stepped up to see how you feel. Is, is there anything I can do for you? No, no, nothing, thanks. Mr. Parsons wanted you to know that he's concerned for you. Tell him I'm okay. How are things there? Young Mr. Parsons is pretty broken up. He's really back then. Oh, yeah. Well, then, I'm just about through out here. Could I see him? Mr. Parsons thought you'd want to. Yes. (laughs) 
Expense account, item eight, $178, airplane ticket, back to Hartford. Item nine, $43, hotel and board for two days in Los Angeles. Item ten, $6, cab fare. My plane was scheduled to leave at nine o'clock that night. I checked out about four in the afternoon and went directly to the home of David Sr. He looked a little ashen when I came in, but his temper hadn't improved much. He pointed a crooked finger at me. I've got this to say to you right now, Dollar. If you hadn't insisted on talking to her, she'd be alive today. She wouldn't have been with you driving that car. If she hadn't been forbidden by you to see me, we wouldn't have had to drive around in a car. You have a drink around here? Right there. I didn't come here to argue with you anymore. My job was to find your son. Evidently, he wasn't lost. Hecker told me I could meet him here about this time. You're pretty free with my whiskey. You can afford it. You want one? Oh, I get a jigger before every meal, that's all. Cheers. Well, am I early or what? David will be here any time now. Have any arrangements been made yet? You'll have to ask uh, Ecker about that. I don't know. I'd like to send some flowers, something. That's always a logical gesture. This is Mr. Dollar, David. Come in. It's my son, David. The man in the black suit wasn't what I expected in the way of David Parsons, Jr., somehow. He was tall and rangy, almost athletic. He had a good sunburn, a pair of square shoulders. I would have read him for an advertising man or a pro ball player. Certainly not for the investment brokerage business. We shook hands, he smiled wanly, and lit up a cigarette. Dad tells me you've been looking for me. That's right, Mr. Parsons. Where have you been all this time? Oh, I took a freighter out of Los Angeles and rode it up to Oregon. Just a whim. Wanted to be alone and do some thinking. How come no word? Oh, that's a whim, too. Are you trying to get into my personal life? No, no. Just curious again. Well, here's some reports I have to make out. If you'd sign them, I'd appreciate it. Go ahead, sign them. Let them go. Sure, sure. I have a pen. Okay. Fine. Thank you. Satisfied, Dollar? Completely. Uh, what ship did you take up there? Ship? Uh, the boat to Oregon. Oh, the, uh, Laureen B. Wintermaker Timber Company ship. Oh, sure. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Thank you for your cooperation. I went back to my hotel, checked in once more, canceled my airline reservations, and put in a call to Robert Ecker. He wasn't in his office. A little arguing got me his home number. No one answered. I went out and spent $25, item eight, to rent a car. I drove it over to Ecker's apartment address. He wasn't in, so I waited. A half an hour later, he drove up, ran into his apartment for about a minute and a half, came back out and got into his car. When he pulled into traffic on Wilshire, I was one Buick behind him. He finally stopped at a place on Olympic Boulevard, the Parkway Funeral Home. I waited five minutes and then walked in. Robert Ecker stood in a semi-dark room, hands folded before him as if in prayer. He was looking down at the body of David Parsons' wife. Hello, Ecker. Hello. Came by to pay my respects. Sure. Sure. Who is she, Ecker? What was that? Who is this girl? She isn't Dorothy Parsons, I know that much. Who is she? <laughs> we better talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, we better talk. Her name's Ellen. Her name was Ellen Myers. We're going to be married. 
I'm sorry. She was one of those lonely people that you find in this town. I'm, I mean, she worked a bit in pictures and drew and painted a little bit. I don't know how I met her. I just know that she was fresh and lovely and she'd do anything for me. Or for old man Parsons. For me. She was mine. Everything else is his. She was mine. He blew up the other morning when I called up and said you were in town looking for David Jr. He said we had to steer you out. He didn't want you talking to anybody. So he arranged that she'd be there posing as Mrs. Parsons. He asked me to get someone. She was delighted with the idea. It was kind of a little game for her. Where's the real Mrs. Parsons? Home, I guess. I don't know. I'll find that out. Now, tell me who's the guy I shook hands with this afternoon who said he was David Parsons Jr.? I don't know his name. Someone the old man hired to play the part for him. Then David Parsons is still missing. Yeah. Why all the cover-up? Why doesn't the old man want him found? He does want him found. He wants him found in the worst way. He's been turning the country upside down looking for him for a week now. There's something like 23 operators from a private detective firm looking for him, but he doesn't want it to go to the police. He wants it out of the papers at all costs. Why? Parsons is going to merge with Little and Tennyson. You've heard of them? Yeah. The old man's got to take it easy. Heart attack. Parsons Jr. will get into the saddle when the merger happens. He'll take over the whole play. That is, of course, with the old man sitting down in Palm Springs dictating orders to him. In other words, old man Parsons wants his figurehead to be on deck, clean and unsullied for the merger. That's it. What do you think happened to Junior? I don't have any idea. What happens to any of us who work for Parsons? We give him lip at first, we get mad at him. In the end, he shakes out all the dignity and honesty you might ever have, and he makes you his own personal robin. Look at me, Dollar. He got me to make my girl play all that out in front of you. Now she's dead, and I'm still a robot for it. Take it easy. And sure. How did you get on to Junior? Oh, he didn't look broken up. He was a pretty bad actor. He also gave some wrong answers about being off on a ship and so on. Hey, look. You don't have to say anything about talking to me. Oh, but I will. I'll tell Parsons you pumped it all out of me. We'll worry him a bit. He'll figure out some other way to stop you. I told you once before, darling. He'll break your heart. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of the Callicles Matter. Tomorrow, we find out that Callicles was a Greek. Maybe the greatest one of them all. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. 
That is part three. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, May 2nd, 1956. The Calicles Matter, starring Bob Bailey. Much more classic radio coming your way, but first, these words. All right, part four of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, but we're going to go to news, and I think that's Roger Baddish up there, huh? I think it is. He's got a bright red shirt on. Yeah. Yeah, he Can't looks like it. a it looks like a like um like a piece of candy. I'm colorblind. I thought it was green. Yeah. Looks it, like a licorice. <laughs> looks like a licorice. It could be green. Oh, Whatever you, so you say, Roger. Let's it not is. Get into the you look like stuff. a licorice, Roger. <laughs> thank you. Is it red vines or Twizzlers? <laughs> yeah, red vines. <laughs> no, he looks like a nib. You know nibs. I like Those the cherry nibs. I like Those nibs. Are a Those lot. are cherry. When are you going to buy me some? I haven't had. I'll buy you some. I know you will. Do you want some, Carl? I know what his while. answer is. I'll buy him for you for tonight. <laughs> okay. Listen, okay. Lisa's a lot richer than I am, so yeah, let her buy that. Until yeah. I buy the nibs. <laughs> and then I'm out. Have you, uh, have you checked the price of sugar nowadays? They're very expensive. You're worth it, Roger. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. We want to dedicate our five-part Johnny Dollar segment this evening to Fred Solomon in his memory. Yeah. Um, he was a big fan of the show. A big fan of our show and uh, grew and up of Johnny listening Dollar. to Johnny Dollar. Yeah. So this is for him and, and his family. Uh, and his daughter is listening. And uh, we want to say hi to you. And yeah. uh, we uh, we hope you're enjoying it. We hope everyone out there is enjoying yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And that's what we have for you now. Part four of the Calicles Matter from May 3rd, 1956. Here is yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Ready with your Crestview number, Mr. Dollar. Good. Yeah? Mr. Parsons? Who's this? Johnny Dollar. What are you doing in town? Still looking for your son, Mr. Parsons. You met him yesterday. He's been found. He wasn't lost. I met the man you hired to convince me that he was your son. I know he isn't. Listen, if you're going to make trouble... I will if I have to. I have that guy's signature on two papers in my briefcase. It constitutes a witness forgery, no matter how you look at it. I'd be willing to call up a lawyer and see what kind of noise I can make. What do you want? I'll be out to tell you in 20 minutes. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Eastern Casualty and Trust Company, number 25, Yardley Boulevard, Boston, Massachusetts. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Calicles matter. Expense account item 9, $100, legal retainer. I hired an attorney named Robert Watson to arrange for a court order impounding all the records in the Parsons Brokerage House. I also turned over to him the forged reports. After that, I drove out to see Parsons, still laid up in bed. Who spilled the beans? You did, mainly. I didn't believe that guy here yesterday afternoon. I didn't believe the woman who was supposed to be his wife. So let it go at that. I'm here to find David Parsons, Jr. Let's stop playing games. Don't get fresh with me, boy. I've crunched many a loud talker just like you. You want me to walk out of here and start jamming up your works right now, or do you want to listen? You've watched up everything so far. Do I handle it, or do we keep on like this? I'm going to kill you when I get on my feet. In the meantime, you're going to lie there and like it. 
I came out here to find your son. You arranged to throw me off his trail by hiring a woman to play his wife and a man to appear and pretend he was your son. Let's take it from there. I understand you've had private detectives looking for him all over the country. What agency? Universal Operators. Who's in charge of it there? A man named Underwood. Have they got any leads? Nothing. Nothing for 12 days. Did he take anything? I don't know. We haven't made an audit. Well, there'll be an audit. I've got the machinery started right now. Who do you think... Shut up and lie down or you'll bust a blood vessel. Is Mrs. Parsons in town? I sent her down to Palm Springs. All right, it's 10.15 now. If I remember right, there's a plane from Palm Springs about noon. Call her there and tell her I'll be at her house at 2 o'clock. I want to talk to her. Are you giving me orders? I sure am. I want everybody in that household there. 2 o'clock, you arrange it. I'll arrange nothing for you. Now get out of here. Call who you have to call. 2 o'clock, Mr. Parsons. I left him fuming on the phone and drove my rented car downtown to the offices of Universal Operatives Incorporated. Mr. Underwood, the man in charge of finding David Parsons Jr., shook my hand and told me he could report nothing to me about the case. I asked him to phone old man Parsons, which he did. That changed his mind. He broke down and gave me an hour-long story on what they'd done to locate the missing man. When he was finished, it came out the same way. They'd run into blank walls everywhere. They had no idea where David Parsons might be. I told Underwood he and his staff were fired and that Mr. Parsons would confirm it. I left him fuming on the phone. Expense account item 10, $4. Two drinks and lunch all along. After that, I drove over to the residence of David Parsons, Jr. Mrs. Parsons was a tall, graceful woman in her late 30s, settled on a sofa in front of the fireplace. The clothes she was wearing, the house itself, the appointments of the formal room, all suggested a well-run, well-kept sort of life. I've answered so many questions from those private detectives. I'm sorry to put you through it all again. You must operate in a rather high-handed manner, Mr. Dollar. My father-in-law expressly told me the point here is not to let any of this get into the papers. The point here is to find your husband, Mrs. Parsons. He's been missing 12 days now. Well, I suppose I was the last one to see him. It was after dinner. He went upstairs. I didn't see him after that. This would be... The 13th. Yes, it was. Did he sleep here that night? His bed had been slept in, yes. Then he really disappeared sometime on the 14th. I suppose that's accurate. He wasn't in his office that day. Did he take a car? No. But I know the private detectives checked the cab companies He to could see... have flagged one two blocks away. How about clothes? Did he pack anything? Not a thing. Money? I don't know. Okay. Can you think of any enemies who might want to harm your husband? Enemies? Oh, dear, no. Think a minute. Well, perhaps in his office, in his business, there's someone... But he never discussed what went on there with me. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? It was a rule. This is our home. That is David's business. We just never talked about what went on in his office at all. How long have you and Mr. Parsons been married? Eighteen years next July. Have you been getting along? Of course we've been getting along. We've gotten along always. Ever discussed the probability of divorce or anything like that? Certainly not. Can you think of any reason why Mr. Parsons would just walk out and not come back? None whatsoever. Have the people in his office been worried about him? Well, I believe Mr. Ecker's the only one who knows. The others think he's away on a business trip. In other words, the whole thing's been kept quiet. Oh, yes, of course. This merger situation is quite delicate. As you Mrs. know, Mrs. Parsons, were you very close to him? I beg your pardon. Don't beg my pardon. Just answer the question. Everybody seems to be worried about a merger, not about a man. Did you spend time together, do things together? Of course. 
We entertained frequently. We traveled. We had common interests. What? Home, of course. What else? I don't know what you mean. Did you enjoy each other? Go out together. Have fun. Oh, really? <sighs> Did he have a hobby? Well, yes, sort of. David liked to read and write a little. He fancied himself a scholar along some lines. What lines? Literature. Of course, it was just an indulgence. Where did he indulge himself? He had a small study upstairs. Would it be possible to look at that room? Oh, yes, I suppose so. All right, I'll get to that in a minute. Mr. Parson, drink very much? Cocktails before dinner, maybe two or three after. Ever any long drinking jobs on the town? David never went off and drank, if that's what you're trying to find out. Oh, that's what I'm trying to find out. Is he in good health? Yes. Perfect, I think. What's the name of his doctor? Oh, uh, Stanley Warner, Dr. Warner. Okay. How about his attitude? What do you mean? What kind of man is he? Quiet, loud, what? Oh, I'd say David is, and always has been, a very quiet person. Like his work? Of course, he loves it. His home? I'm terribly afraid there's a great deal of insinuation in these questions you ask, Mr. Dollar. What have you been doing in Palm Springs? <sighs> Resting. Got a boyfriend? Mr. Dollar. Have you? I resent that very much. Naturally, with my husband here, I go out with friends there. David knows about it. He have a girlfriend? You're being ridiculous. No, you're being ridiculous. What? You sit here and describe the kind of association a man has with a drug clerk who sells him cigarettes, and you call it a marriage. Your husband disappears from the face of the earth, and you romp off to Palm Springs, forgetting all about it. You're insulted when I ask you what's wrong. You're hurt when I ask you how come, and you're annoyed when I mention it. What on earth do you want me to do? File a missing person's complaint right away. Get some help in here if it isn't too late. Too late? It could be, lady. It just could be you and your father-in-law have fooled around too long. She made the call. A half an hour later, two detectives from the Missing Persons Bureau were out here gathering facts. I tagged along. They questioned Mrs. Parsons, the servants. They examined the study as well as his bedroom. From all they could gather, David Parsons had nothing but the clothes on his back when he disappeared. By mid-afternoon, the police had started on old man Parsons and gone downtown to question the members of David Parsons' office force. The district attorney moved in quickly and negated my court order, impounding the books and records for a careful audit to determine if any money or bonds were missing. They promised to keep me informed. I went on on my own. Come in, please. Dr. Stanley Warner had a four-suite office on Wilshire Boulevard. He was a big, graying man who looked as though he played a lot of golf and drank a lot of whiskey when he had the chance. I told him about Parsons being missing and asked for some details. Well, according to my records, I examined him the first of last month. He was in good health. Excellent for a man of his age and responsibility. Could you explain that, Doctor? No, I was thinking only by comparison. David Parsons is 40 years old. He's held a position of tremendous responsibility for many years. For a lesser man or for a frailer man, the incidence of organic disturbance in this age area increases considerably. David Parsons' case, that didn't seem to hold true. Doctor, are you talking about the pressure from his father? You know the old man. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about that, yes. He, he cracked up a lot of people. How do you suppose David Jr. escaped? He knew how to escape, at least for periods of time, get a complete rest. Was there any indication or any reason whatsoever when you examined him to suspect that he might suffer from some sort of uh, mental trouble? No. I'd say that when I examined him, he was in excellent mental shape, too. I see. Did you ever meet him outside the office? Socially? Yeah. Yes. 
Both belong to the same country club. Played golf with him several times. Seen him at dances, other affairs. Mm -hmm. He and Mrs. Parsons strike you as a happy couple? I'll answer that by saying that happiness is uh, intangible. I envied him, though. Not because of his wife, you understand. But because with all the... With all the requirements that were made of him, he was still a gentle, decent man. He ever appear with other women? Not that I know of. Did you ever have occasion to talk with him with his hair down? Once. <laughs> Startled me at first. I was aware that he was a man of education and culture, but I was quite taken aback by his ability to quote the classics. Seemed incongruous somehow. I remember this day we, we met in the club, we had a drink... I don't think anyone was there except the waiters. I was talking to him, and suddenly he dropped off the conversation. He stared ahead, and then he began to quote a Greek, Callicles. Callicles? Yes. I was so impressed by the passage, I took the trouble to look it up myself and write it down. I have it. Yes. Here. I can still see him quoting that word for word. Read it. But if there were a man who had sufficient force... He would shake off and break through and escape from all this. Go on, will you please? He would trample underfoot all our formulas and spells and charms and all our laws which are against nature. The slave would rise in rebellion and be lord over us. And the light of natural justice would shine forth. <sighs> when did Parsons quote this to you, Doctor? Uh, Monday. The day before he disappeared. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's final intriguing episode of this week's story. The answer is with that old Greek who lived 3,000 years ago. Tomorrow we'll find it. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. There it is, Lisa. That's part four of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Are you uh, enjoying this uh, Callicles matter? You know, I'm trying to listen, but you are very chatty. Yeah. So sometimes Instead it's of hard chatty to... Kathy, I'm I, chatty, chatty Carl. Carl. I'm trying to, but um, I must confess that we do talk uh, quite a bit during the radio shows. Uh, people ask sometimes, Don't what do we do? mess with their illusion, Lisa. People ask sometimes what we do during Don't the radio mess shows. mess with that. And we do, we do talk. I am listening intently. Okay. To every um, word and there are that you say. There are cameras in here, so yeah. got to keep it real here. You know, I'm listening to every word you say. I don't, I'm at the... You're not good at that, actually. Yeah. 
<laughs> but you know the truth of the matter is there's we a lot go- listen, there's a lot going on so we can't always listen to the shows but I do listen to the podcast afterwards. We do and as a matter of fact we listen to the show on the way home right. during the drive driving home because somehow it sounds different at three in the morning. <laughs> Everything sounds different at three in the morning. But I, I really and truly do. I listen to the podcast. So, you know, when we're doing this, we're getting the commercials ready. We're doing that. We're doing this. And Carl's chatting. Yeah. I'm chatting about my week. About nothing. You know, here's what I did this week, Lisa. I try not to listen, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is part four. We have another chapter, part five of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, The Calicles Matter. Starring Bob Bailey and then Vic and Sade from 1945, a show called Uncle Fletcher's Phone Calls. You're going to love that. That's in our next hour. But uh, stick around. Much more classic radio and all kinds of fun. We're going to also play our game, Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous, in our next hour. And we're going to give away a Lou Malnati's pizza. Yes, we are. Wow. We have given away some fun prizes this uh, this show. It pays to listen to WGN Radio Theater. Yes, yes, it does. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right. You know what, Lisa? I want to remind all of our listeners about Woodman's. And I'll tell you what, I did it again. I went to Woodman's this week. I spent a couple hundred dollars stocking up on food. That same amount of food, and this is true, that same amount of food, if I would have went to another place, and I'm not going to name, not going to name where I used to shop, but now I shop at Woodman's, it would have been at least, at least $50 more. I, I saved at least $50 uh, this week and every week that I shop at Woodman's. And not only do you save money at Woodman's because uh, uh, low prices every aisle at Woodman's, but you get classic radio shows for free. You know how? Uh, you're going to tell us. No, you know. No, go ahead. No, no. It's all right. Well, I you can hear send, your. I want to hear your voice. You can send in your Woodman's receipt. It doesn't matter what you buy. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. No. You can do your regular weekly up. shopping. I like to go and stock up. And you send your receipt to Woodman's WGN at gmail.com, yeah, right? That's right. And Carl sends you a link to download some classic radio shows. You'll get and they 12 ch- links. And they change every single month. Yeah. So that way, um, if you went, I said, well, see, this is June now. So yeah. um, right. for the next, how many days in June? 30 <laughs> About days. 30. <laughs> About 30 days in June. 30 days, shop we'll have those classic radio shows and move on to the next. But most importantly, shop at Woodman's because it is a great, satisfying place to shop. Yeah, they're huge. They have everything. And you know what else I really love about, and I really appreciate this about Woodman's, they have giant carts giant carts. Is that important to you? Yeah, Do you because, like to get in the carts? No, but um, the carts are big and when I'm shopping and I load up, you know, I, I can put a lot of stuff in that cart. I don't right. have to... Give it a big push down the aisle. Because yeah. <laughs> this other place that I used to shop at, which I would spend a lot more money, right. I would sometimes, because I would go with my son and we'd have to get two carts. Do you put your son in the cart? No. no. He's too big. Too to put big. In the cart. But he would get a cart and I would get a cart because the carts were too small. And oh. I think people listening know what I'm talking about here. If you stock up, Do you, have a flag on you the need carts? a big cart. No, but I put a little license plate on the back Good, of it. With your name on it. Yeah. That's important. It makes me feel important. like a VIP there. You are a VIP. Call. You know, and I'm shopping at Woodman's and I'm, and I'm just loving all the selection. I mean, the bread aisle has like. 10 rows of Funny bread. Funny you went to the bread aisle. Well, I love I like, bread, I too. I like bread. I Can do, I tell too. You? I know. I'm Italian. 
Is All that, Italians that, like yeah, bread. Bread is good. And you're not even Italian and you like bread. It's true. Um, but yeah, Woodman's is great. And you can get some classic radio shows. So uh, shop at Woodman's. Take a photo of your receipt, your Woodman's receipt with your smartphone, and text it. I, I should say email it to Woodman's. WGN at gmail.com, and we'll send you 12 classes. Did you buy shows. some fruit? Stock up on fruit while you're yeah, there? Yeah, did you fruit, bring, Did you bring any for us? No, actually, I did. Are you right, calling well, him a fruit tonight, again? I wouldn't do that. I know, yeah, well, you did. I didn't. <laughs> um, you bring some fruit for us tonight. I like the Woodman's Granny Apples. Those are delicious. We had those one time. Can you bring some in Let tonight? Let me tell you, Woodman's has the best Great strawberries. The, I get my pears there. I get my grapes there. Oh, man. Bring All some tonight. Stuff. That would be great. You know, Lisa. I like may, grapes. You know what? I will. How's that? Not a big I'm pear feeling, person. I'm feeling generous. Are you? You I'm bring feeling, some grapes for me. I'm that would be really, really generous I'm of you. I'm feeling giving. I'm feeling that would giving. be very He's giving of you fruity. for once. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. All right. I will. Okay. Um, the other thing I want to uh, remind everyone is that Dan Jaffe, the CEO of Cat's Pride and Oil Dry, the parent company. He will be here at the end of the month, along with Dave Weiske, and they will be selecting another winner of a uh, year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter. Now, folks, if you don't have your picture in of your kitty cat, what are you waiting for? Take a picture of your cat. Of course, Lisa says anyone that has a cat, they you have a picture of your cat already. That's true. Cats, right? People love cats. You're probably right. I mean, I don't think there's anyone out there that has a cat and doesn't have a picture of it. Well, and the good thing is we redo these drawings every single month. So if you joined last month for May, it doesn't matter. Those are gone. We start again fresh in June. Yeah. So email it again. You can email the same picture if you want. Sure. Send it to catspridephoto at gmail.com, and you'll automatically be entered into the drawing, and they'll be here, and you can see the drawing or hear the drawing live. Right here at WGN, yeah, last right. Sunday of the month. Very generous uh, of our main sponsor here from day one, Cat's Pride, Dan Jaffe. He's a great guy, and he is very generous, and he does like you. so much. Like you. He's probably, more, he's probably more generous than I am. Oh, I don't know. And he does so much for uh, cats uh, across the country. Cats saving, and dogs. Saving cats and dogs' lives with his program, Litter for Good amazing and just uh do support cat's pride switch over if you're not using cat's pride you uh we really would love it if you do it's a better product than anything else out there and uh you're helping his cause to help cats and dogs with litter for good and you can win a year supply of cat's pride kitty litter just send in a picture of your kitty cat to catspridephoto at gmail.com. All right. In our next hour, we will have part five, the conclusion. You know, I'm going to predict, and I'm going to go way out on a ledge here now, Lisa. Oh, it's a limb, but so close. <laughs> on a ledge. I can go out on a ledge. Or a limb. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna. It's a limb or a ledge. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm going to go on both. Maybe I'll go out on both. <laughs> Good. He's you know, on a limb that's is, on a ledge. Let me tell yes. you this. This is how much the of ledge a, is on a limb. This is how wild and crazy I am. I'm going to go <laughs> like out on Like Steve Martin? I'm yeah. going to wild and crazy I'm going to walk on one limb out uh-huh. to the ledge. Okay. Okay? I'll just say it. What are you trying to and say And here's here? what I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to... This is way out Speak there. Up. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to predict... Say it, Carl! ...that Johnny Dollar solves the case in part five here. Excellent. No let's, way. Let's, Okay, we finally got it out of here. What do you think of that? You should be on the radio, It took a long time to get to that point. That's a long ledge. That is a long ledge that I went out on. Or a limb, either way. Yeah. Yeah. Or a bridge. I'm glad we got that out of you. Or a bridge. He's still on the elevator trying to get to the ledge. (laughs)
<laughs> um, that's what I'm going to predict. That he solves the crime. Okay, did solves you, the case. Okay, so wait, what's of the Calicles matter? He is or he isn't going to solve the case. He will. Oh, he will I'm solve predicting. The case. I'm predicting he will. I'm glad we got that out of you finally. Okay, good. Roger, okay, let's yeah. go to news. It's Roger Badge. Well, it's I have one to. O'clock. I have to say this. <laughs> got a lot no, more I've got to read something here. Good. I have to yeah. read this. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to lose my job. WGN Radio wants to send you on a Blackhawks getaway for two in Europe. Listen to when I'm not doing this with any enthusiasm. I I should, start over. Let me start over. Hang on a second, start Roger. Over. I'm gonna clear Let's my, hear it right. Ready, Roger? I'm on the ledge. Hang on now. You ready? The ledge. Because that, that had zero enthusiasm. All right. Let's do it. All right. Come on. Here we go. WGN wants to send you, Lisa Wolf. Now, I don't like that either. I didn't like I, it either. I, this is not, this is not happening 14. for me. Take three. Let's it's do not, it again. It's not good. You want me to try? Imagine if Bill Curtis was listening right now. He okay. would not. He would give me a thumbs down. <laughs> I'm trying to be, be worse than that. I want to be Bill Curtis. All right, let's hear it. Take three. That's how much I uh, admire Bill Curtis. All right, come on. Top, I would top. like to be him. And now the one thirty. Let's news. try this again. Here we go. I can't do it. Come on. I just I I feel like there's too much pressure. All right, let's do it. The pressure's on. Let me drink. Hang on a second. Take a breath. Hang on. Clear your mind. This is scintillating radio. You ready? WGN Radio wants to send you on a Blackhawks getaway for two in Europe. Listen to win your way to Pucks and Prague weekday mornings at 740 on 720 WGN Chicago. How was that? I give you a seven. That's not bad. That's a pretty good. It's a seven. Curtis, 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 and then Curtis. He said the Russian judge gave me a nine. Oh, that's I pretty think he's good. saying six. No, I saw nine. Six. Well, I have I, my vision's blurred. It's six. So it looks a lot more. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, we're back. Thanks, Roger. It is uh, seven minutes after one o'clock in the morning. Happy Sunday morning, everyone. And in this hour, it's Real or Ridiculous by Cat's Pride. And then it's part five of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, where I predict that he solves the crime. Do you? I didn't yeah. hear that before. I've got is this new news? Have money riding on it. Do you? And then Vic and Sade from 1945. That's this hour. But uh, who is the celebrity? The celebrity for real or ridiculous is Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Do your joke. Well, I mean, I, I know his brother a lot better. And his name is? Arm. Got it. Now we got that out of the way. Yeah. Um, we're going to be giving away a $25 gift certificate for our favorite pizza, Lou Melnati's. Yeah. So call in now. We're looking for callers, 312-981-7200, caller number three, win a pizza, and we will be right back. This week on Chicago's Best, it's crispy, savory, and oh, so perfect. It should be its own food group. It's Chicago's Best Bacon. Sunday night at 10 on WGN-TV. We're going to get ridiculous with Connie. Hey, Connie, how are you? Where's Connie? Hi, how are you? Great, how are you? Good. Great, Connie. Good, so happy to play the game with you and, and send you off with a pizza. Sounds great. All right. We're going to do a little Brad Pitt. And um, Carl's always a really dependable lifeline. So we'll start with that. Number one, he designed and released his own line of high-end furniture. Real or ridiculous, Connie? 
I think ridiculous. What do you think, Luann? I think ridiculous. I Carl? think the same as Luann and Connie. You guys are all wrong. What? It is absolutely real. Wah, wah, wah. What? Yeah, he designed and released his own line of high-end furniture. Okay. You should learn a little more about your friend's brother. Hmm. All right, number two. You know what I would do with that furniture? You'd... I'd put it in the fire pit. Uh, Connie, I got Connie laughing there. See, she's being polite. You know, let me see, Connie. I don't get enough kudos for my corny jokes, right, Connie? You're right, and I love them. I like Connie. He's just very needy of attention. That's all. Great. Okay, number two. (laughs) Give her two pizzas. All right. (laughs) If I had to, I would. Number two. In 1989, he started a commercial for Converse All Stars. Real or ridiculous, Connie? Uh, ridiculous. Luann? Real. Ooh, I think I remember that he did, so I'm going to say real. I think your memory does not serve you well. <laughs> I've lost. I've gotten like every single one of them wrong. It is ridiculous. He uh. did not. I just made that up, so your memory is So not this there. is for Connie. And this is for Carl and Luann. Wow. <laughs> Connie's got two right. He actually started a commercial for Pringles, but it wasn't Converse All-Stars. So, all right, very close. Number three, he was named Sexiest Man Alive by People Magazine in 1995 and 2000. And you know, he does have a sister. Did you know that? Her name is Olive Pitt. Olive is actually a pretty name, but he does not have a sister. What do you think, Connie? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm not sure on the year, but I'm going to say real. He is a sex symbol. He sure is. What do you think? Real. Real? I think he was the year after me that I, when I was on No, the, he was the year before oh, you. Oh, was it? Yeah, I'll go yeah. real then. Yeah, he and I were kind of brother, brothers brothers. Weren't in you ours. in the, actually the same magazine? Like one picture of you, one picture of him. Yeah, Sexiest sometimes, man. sometimes they, I double for him in the movies and things. You do look a yeah, lot alike. I know. And you are all correct. Um, All right. And it's actually the the it goes like this. He and Carl were both named Sexiest Man Alive by People magazine in nineteen ninety five and two thousand is the correct information. So you are all correct. But Connie, you are the big winner here. You've won a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for twenty five dollars. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's very best deep dish pizza. Send Connie two pizzas. And our personal favorite right here at WGN Radio Theater. If I had two, I would send you two, but I'm only sending you one. Find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations or order online at LouMelnatis.com. Thank you so hey, much I for wanna... calling. Yes. And I love you guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, thanks, Connie. Thank you. We We're going to try real hard. You rock. Thank you so much. <laughs> Enjoy that pizza. Okay. Are you ready to see if I'm right or wrong with this wrap-up of the the, the bad guy here? The bad guy. You got to stutter all the, of a sudden I'm pretty here. sure he gets the bad guy. All right. Well, we'll wait and see. All right. Here's okay. part five from May 4th, 1956, The Calicles Matter. Part five, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. David Parsons. Did you read the morning paper? Yep. It's spread all over them. My son missing. I've had calls from New York all morning long. The business merger's jeopardized, and it's your doing. Anything else to say? When I finish with you and your liability company, there won't be enough left to burn for junk. Mr. Parsons, before you shoot off any more steam, do you want me to give the papers the other half of the story? The one about you arranging for people to impersonate your son and his wife? Are you threatening me? I guess I am. Why, you... 
Bye. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Eastern Casualty and Trust Company, Boston, Massachusetts. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Calicles matter. Item 11, 10 cents, one newspaper. I lied to Parsons about seeing the paper. I hadn't seen it at all. But I could guess what had happened when they got hold of the story that a prominent broker had been missing some 14 days. It was all there, spread over the front page. I waited a couple of hours before I took old man Parsons on again. You think you're pretty smart, don't you? You should have given this matter to the police in the first place. I gave it to a detective agency. And what do you mean by firing them? Oh, they were just spending your money. And you're losing it for me with all this in the paper. I'm still trying to find your son, Mr. Parsons, remember? You aren't going to find him here. Something's come up. Maybe you can explain it. The DA's office impounded the books yesterday. $5,000 was withdrawn from your son's personal account. What do I have to explain about that? Wait. It was taken out the morning he disappeared. Do you have any idea why he'd withdraw a sum of money that size? No. Do you? Sure. Somebody could have been standing in back of him with a gun threatening to blow his head off. He might have had a date to go to a wedding and needed some tip money. What can you add? <laughs> You're getting mad, Dollar. Go find your answers someplace else. You don't care if he's ever located, do you? Dollar, let me tell you something. My son means that to me. No more. He's never had brains enough or energy enough to do anything by himself. I do everything, always have. The only reason I want him back is to affect the merger with Little and Tennyson. You knew that right away. I suppose so. I just wanted to hear it said to believe it. Well, now you've heard me say it. <laughs> you know, one reason why I always run the show, Dollar. My face never looks like yours over anything. I got out of there fast. I went downtown with a tall policeman named Jerry Engel to interview a bank teller. I'm Sergeant Engel. This is Mr. Dollar. Oh, yes, you phoned me. It's about Mr. Parsons. You took care of him when he came in here last Tuesday a week ago, is that right? I handled the withdrawal, yes. We'd like to see the slip on that, please. Yes, I, I looked it up. I have it ready for you. Have you known Mr. Parsons very long? Well, I don't know him well, really. Look at this picture. This man is the same who signed the withdrawal slip last Tuesday morning? Yes, that's Mr. Parsons. Okay. Tell us what happened. Well, he just came up to the cage and handed me the withdrawal slip. That's all. I see. Weren't you a little surprised when he made out a withdrawal slip for $5,000? That's a lot of money. Well, maybe I was a little surprised, but Mr. Parsons has withdrawn large sums from his personal account several times. I always assumed it was some sort of speculation where he needed cash on hand. When he came up to the cage to you, what exactly did he say? Oh, just good morning or, or something like that, and then will you please take care of this? Didn't he stipulate how he wanted the money? Oh, yes, yes, he did say that. I'm sorry. He took it mostly in hundreds and fifties. Any of these bills happen to be recorded? No, Sergeant. Uh, anything else you can remember about the transaction that might help? Mm, sorry, nothing. Well, well, maybe. Yeah? Well, you both know the kind of business Mr. Parsons is in. I mean, well, it seems like a hurried sort of business. Always phone calls, rushing, and so on. He was always... Always like that, it seemed to me. He'd come in here, do what he had to do, and rush out. Very brisk, you know. But that morning, he didn't seem in a hurry at all when he left. I mean, I had the distinct feeling that Mr. Parsons didn't particularly care in what direction he went. 
recheck with Mrs. Parsons and the house servants established that Parsons had not left the house with the described money bag. The police went to work on that angle, trying to find out where he had purchased it. A supplementary bulletin went out with the news about the bag. The district attorney's men were trying to find out if he was involved with another woman, and if so, who. Parsons was reported to be in Toledo, Detroit, the Virgin Islands, and Boston. All the reports were untrue. Yeah, officer, that's him. That's the guy who was in here that night. You sure? Well, I'm positive that's his picture. Was he with anybody? I was all alone. He sat over there on that stool. How long was he here? Oh, he was here till we closed the joint. Did you happen to see where he went from here? No. Now, what kind of shape was he in? Drunk? No, no, he was real sober and quiet. Drank all night, but he seemed to hold his stuff okay. Did you talk to him at all? No, just took his order for drinks. He didn't seem to want to talk to anybody. I see. Did you happen to notice if anybody who was in here went over and talked to him? I think a couple of people tried. You know, you get that sort of thing in a joint like this. But he didn't say much to any of them, so they just left him alone. He just sat alone and drank? No, he was making a phone call all the time. He was here, a long-distance call from the booth over there. He sat at the end of the bar so he could hear the phone ring. How do you know he was making a long-distance call? Well, he handed me a 20 once and asked me to change it to quarters for him. All the quarters I had. About what time was this? Oh, I don't know exactly, but it, it took him two or three hours anyway. Do you know if he ever completed his call? He poured a lot of dough into the phone. I guess he did, finally. Did he have anything with him while he was here? What do you mean? Was he carrying a little black bag, maybe? No, nothing but his overcoat. I... Yeah. What? He did say something to me at that. Uh, he asked me if I knew Callicles. Callicles? Yes, Sergeant. Uh, he was about three bourbons along by then. Mean anything? I've heard about that before, Jerry. Callicles was a Greek... Parsons quoted him to his doctor once, something about a man breaking through and shaking off his chains. A pretty piece of poetry. Poet? I thought he was a bookie. Oh, excuse me. Well, Jerry, one thing for sure. Yeah, what? We know he was alive that night. Jerry Engel started a check with a telephone company. Their records disclosed that David Parsons had placed a call from the pay booth in the bar on the night in question. It had been a person-to-person call to a Kenneth Temple in San Francisco. We tried to place a call to the same number, but there was no answer. We waited another two hours trying to complete the call, and the operators were still trying when we drove out to the Parsons' residence once more. Mrs. Parsons gave us a cool greeting. I certainly don't appreciate any of this. You're responsible, Mr. Dollar, for all this publicity. We don't have to go into that, Mrs. Parsons. We need your help now. We found out that your husband called a man named Kenneth Temple in San Francisco the night he disappeared. Oh? That name, Kenneth Temple, does it mean anything to you? No, I've never heard it before. Mr. Parsons never mentioned it to you? Well, I can't say for certain, but it's not familiar to me at the moment. Have you ever been to San Francisco? Yes. When? Twice. Going to and coming back from Hawaii two years ago. Has Mr. Parsons ever been in San Francisco? He was on the same trip. This name, Temple, maybe it was someone you met while you were there. No, I don't recall meeting anyone there at all. Sergeant. Yes? All this has been quite upsetting, quite nerve-wracking, really. I don't know what progress you people are making, but I do wish it would all be handled soon. Excuse me, please. Sure. This isn't getting us very far. I don't get it. Hello? Who? Oh, oh, yes, operator. Just a moment. It's for you, Sergeant. Oh, thanks. Probably San Francisco operator. Thank you. This is Sergeant Engel. Yes? Oh, hello, Mr. Temple. This is Sergeant Engel, Missing Persons Division, Los Angeles Police. Now, we're trying to locate a man named David Parsons. Huh? All right. He's there now. He's going to put him on. David? 
Well, let me talk to him. Uh, just a minute. I an extension. Oh, yes. Please. I'll get it. Let me talk. Hold it a minute. Mr. Parsons, I've been pretty worried about you. Yes. Yes, she's all right. She's right here. Okay, Mrs. Parsons. Here, take it. David? How are you? Oh, it's so good to hear your voice, David. When are you coming home? Your father and I have been... I read about it in the papers. Now, I want you to listen to me, Dorothy. Dad's going to ask you, so listen. But... Listen to me. I'm listening, David. Do you remember all the times that I've asked you to talk to me? The times during these years when I've wanted companionship, warmth, a, a home that was lived in? Each time I asked for these things, you were always too busy, too taken up with things outside my life. Do you remember all that? Oh, yes, yes, David, I remember all that. Well, this is the end of you and me. But your father... It's he... the end of father and me, too, Dorothy. You tell him that. He probably won't believe it, but you tell him the merger's all his. He'll have to get another figurehead. Why, he'd be so angry. Dorothy, what I'm trying to say is his anger doesn't worry me anymore. Oh, what about me? I never worried you. But, David... I'm going away. A long sea voyage with Temple. You don't remember him, but he was a sailor I used to talk to aboard ship when we went to Hawaii. He has a boat now. I'm shipping on it. Well, when will you be back? I won't be back. David! Now, will you put that police officer on? Hello, Mr. Parsons. Uh, who is that? My name is Johnny Dollar. I've been trying to find you for two weeks. I'm an insurance investigator. Oh. I found out quite a lot about you... I want to make sure I'm talking to the right man. I won't answer a lot of questions. Just one. That's not even a question. Callicles. Oh. Mean anything? I don't know who you are. I didn't even get your name, but you did find out. <laughs> if there were a man who had sufficient force, he would shake off and break through and escape from all this. He would trample underfoot all our formulas and spells and charms and all our laws which are against nature. The slave would rise in rebellion and be lord over us. So far as the police were concerned, there was nothing more to do. So far as the insurance company's concerned, we'll have to sit on a $100,000 bond and hope that David Parsons will return to his life in Los Angeles when he gets whatever it is out of his system. Expense account total, $1,100.59. Remarks? Just Mrs. Parsons, to me. She asked why he never talked about this to her. I told her he did. No one ever listened. She didn't understand that either. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's intriguing story. Next week, one of the most heartless, most vicious rackets an insurance investigator ever had to face. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours 
truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Virginia Gregg, Harry Bartell, Lillian Bayef, Will Wright, Gene Bates, Carlton Young, Lawrence Dobkin, Bert Holland, Marvin Miller, and Herb Vigran. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking. That's yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Part 5, The Calicles Matter, from May 4th, 1956. Bob Bailey, see, I told you, Lisa, he was going to solve the crime. Part 5 there, so I won the bet. Well, if you didn't talk so much, I would have heard about it, but yeah. I kind of had telling to you, listen he wrapped, between He wrapped it all up. He won, he, yeah, put yeah, the guy what? in jail. <laughs> He's off to the clink. He's, he sailed him up the river. Good. He's in the clink. Good, just like it should be. You know be. what I'm saying? All right, that was Johnny Dollar. Hope you enjoyed that. In a little bit, it's Vic and Sage. Stick around. All right, so uh, it is 12.30 on it's the money. It's one thirty. It's 1.30. Oh, yeah, sorry. I <laughs> yeah, can't got read that. that. It's far too. away. <laughs> He's it's, an hour uh, off. Wow. Day short. <laughs> I don't have my glasses on, Roger. <laughs> um, I like. Why that. don't you wear huh? your glasses? You're I can squinting. see. I'm just squinting. I can see. I can see that you can see. Twelve thirty, one thirty. It's all the same. I saw all these commercials. I thought there was a whole bunch of commercials, but that's for later. Again, huh? just yeah. a little squint over here. You know, listen. You're uh, batting a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody's per. There was only I one know. perfect person. Know. You know okay, that, right, let's Roger? Not start I know. Here. One perfect person ever. But some people are closer than others. Yeah. <laughs> And that was Jesus, and nobody else is perfect, and I'm not perfect. I noticed that. Yeah, that's for sure. You're at the back of the group, like, the bent back of the over, line. trying to I mean, breathe, trying to catch your breath. And here's the thing. I think I got all of them wrong tonight. I think you got one right. The, the first time. But I think I've, yeah. I'm on a streak here. I've gotten every single one of them wrong. Well, that's my goal, Carl. Turning over a new life. Leaf. Or a new leaf. <laughs> a new life, too. A leaf. A leaf and a life. But a limb t- and a ledge. There was one time yeah. when I had nine in a row. Remember that? Nope. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. I do. I bet you do. I dream about it. You probably Believe framed me. it. It's on I your wall, about the questions it. that you I, got I right. Go, you know, when you want to fall asleep, you should think about something like... You know, something happy. Mm-hmm. I think about how I got nine in a row I one time. I think you time. could do better. Puts me right to sleep. I'm like... Mm-hmm. I think you could think about better things. He does that during the show, too. What? Oh. oh, Lisa, you cracked me up. You know that? I just won't mention what they are. All right. Okay. Well, okay. Lamari and Lisa Wolf. Are you Lisa Wolf? Definitely. Are you sure? Let me see your driver's license. Nope. <laughs> want to make sure. Nope. I want to see. I want to see. I don't have it with me. You don't look like the same person that was here last week. Is that right? What's different about me? Uh, About a week older? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know what, Lisa? One of the funniest of uh, the comedy shows of the golden age of radio. In fact, Vic and Sade was so popular that for a time it was on all three networks. It was on CBS it was on NBC, and it was on Mutual. It was on all three of the networks back then because 
they just couldn't get enough of it. They, it was so popular, it was such great writing um, that um, they all wanted it. They were all clamoring for it. Procter and Gamble was the sponsor. Art Van Harvey, uh, Bernadine Flynn were the stars of this uh, fantastic series. When I first got into classic radio as a kid, when I was like 12, 13, 14, and I listened to Vic and Sade, I couldn't stand it. I didn't get it. It didn't make sense to me as a as a youngster. But then as I got older and I listened to more and more of them, I appreciated the humor of Paul Reimer, the, the writer, the head writer and creator of the series. It was just subtle humor. It was like subtle, funny humor. And uh, give it a chance. If this is the first time you're hearing a Vic and Sade, give it a chance because uh, this is a show that will literally grow on you It's uh, and was one of the most popular comedies of the golden age of radio. We have a November 29th, 1945 quarter-hour episode. Uncle Fletcher's phone calls. Here is Vic and Sade. Telephone's ringing. Telephone's ringing. Uncle Fletcher, that's sure to be for you. Oh? People have called and asked for you three times just since supper. Maybe it was four times. Offhand, I'd say the parties was either B.B. Ball, Crocker Unbleat and his imaginary brother, if you can fish it. Do you want to answer the phone? Is there any hurry about it? No, not at all. Why don't you take a nap first? and say, brought to you by Oxidol, the soap that's famous for washing clothes so clean, they're white without bleaching. A boy's best friend is, strangely enough, his best friend's mother in tonight's story from Oxidol's White Without Bleaching Book. Tommy here says... When my pal Jimmy and me gave my dog Sandy a bath... Yes? We got one of Mom's bath towels awful dirty. Uh Uh-oh. And was Mom mad? Said she guessed she'd have to bleach the towel. Did she? No. Jimmy's mother told her to use Oxidol. And say, that old dirty towel came white without bleaching. Yes, Oxidol washes even the grimiest clothes so clean, they're white without bleaching. In fact, with Oxidol, clothes wash cleaner and whiter than halfway soaps can ever get them. Scientific tests prove it. You see, Oxidol's lively hustle bubble suds go to work and lift dirt out. Even the grimiest pieces come so out and out clean, they're dazzling white. Yes, except for unusual stains, they're actually white without bleaching. And Oxidol is really safe for all your pretty wash colors and rayons. So let Oxidol be your best friend on wash day. Use Oxidol and see your clothes come white without bleaching. Well, sir, it's early evening as our scene opens now, and here in the living room of the small house, halfway up in the next block, we find Mr. Victor Good and his neighbor from across the alley, Mr. Mervyn Sprawl. The gentlemen are seated on the Davenport, and the conversation is going along in this wise. I spent two summers in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm pretty fairly acquainted with the city myself. Oh, I can't say I know it like a book or anything, but I've been through there frequently enough so that I know my way around. It's on the lake. Yes, and you can see some mighty pretty views of the lake. It's on Lake Erie there. No, Sprawl. It's on Lake Erie there. On a clear day, a man can see right across to Canada. Milwaukee, Wisconsin is on Lake Michigan, Sprawl. This is Toledo, Ohio. You're talking about Toledo, Ohio? Yes. I was under the impression we were discussing Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Toledo, Ohio. 
Okay, let's discuss Toledo higher. Yes, Toledo is on Lake Erie. As born Boston, Massachusetts. I see. As born Boston, Massachusetts, but I spent considerable time down south of there. Well, I guess our friends have finished the supper dishes. Yes. Are you finished the supper dishes, friends? Yes. I broke my usual saucer. He considers that funny. Every time he helps me with the dishes, he drops the saucer and breaks it and then laughs. Well, I'm amused because it shows human weakness. Don't be amused. You two gentlemen having a lovely conversation? Only moderately lovely. We start out talking about Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and all of a sudden we discover we're talking about Toledo, Ohio. Very, very interesting. Yes, especially when you throw in Boston, Massachusetts to really gum it up. My daughter Florence, I guess she's still downtown. Yes, and will be till maybe nine o'clock. Yes. Is there anything I can get you, Mr. Sprawl? A glass of water or a little taste of something to eat? You just finished supper. You forget sometimes. Uh, Mr. Sprawl, are you comfortable? Yes. Could I bring you a glass of water or a little taste of something to eat? Yes. Glass of water? No. Little taste of something to eat? No. Oh. How about a pillow for behind your back? Rush, why don't you get it? The telephone's ringing. Telephone's ringing. I'll get it. Most likely Fred and Ruthie. Might be the chap trying to locate Uncle Fletcher that called a while ago. Oh, was that Uncle Fletcher? I meant to holler in and ask. Oh. Uh, hello? Yes? Why, no, he isn't. No. Have you tried his residence? Uh-huh. I see. Not at all. Goodbye. Fellow wanting Uncle Fletcher? Yes. My daughter Florence, she's going to sew a pocket in my shawl for me. That'll be nice. She's going to sew a pocket on my shawl, and then I'll have a place to put peanuts with chocolate smeared on outside. Never heard of a pocket on a shawl. I like them peanuts with chocolate smeared on outside. It tastes pretty good, all right. When I was in Toledo, Massachusetts, looking across Lake Erie into Canada there, I... Telephone's ringing. Telephone's ringing. Oh, yes, you get it this time. Okay. Does my daughter Florence want me on the telephone? We'll see, Mr. Sprawl. Yes. Hello? Yes? No, he isn't. No, I'm afraid I couldn't tell you. Have you tried his home? Uh Uh-huh. I see. Not at all. Oh, boy. For Uncle Fletcher, huh? Yeah, he's sure popular all of a sudden. Mm. This was a different party from the guy I spoke to a while ago. Smelly Clarkson goes fast, gets a tremendous kick out of telephoning his lady friend and pretending he's a... Evening, lady, honey. In the living room, are they? The glamorous man about town in person. Hello, Uncle Fletcher. My daughter, Florence. It's my Uncle Fletcher, Mr. Sprawl. Yes. He's got colder in the last 30 to 45 minutes. The man needs his mittens and muffler. Good evening, Sadie. Vic, you're looking fine. Rush, you on deck, Carly. Well and sprawl, honey. Yes. All prettied up in your shawl and baby bonnet like a regular dude. Yes. I knew an elderly chap there in Belvedere, Illinois, that wore a hood and a bib. But you're the first sport they ever come across that preferred shawl and baby bonnet. Telephone's ringing. Telephone's ringing. Uncle Fletcher, that's sure to be for you. Who? People have called and asked for you three times just since supper. Maybe it was four times. Offhand, I'd say the parties was either B.B. Baugh, Felter Unbleat, and his imaginary brother. Wish you could Do you want to answer the phone? Is there any hurry about it? No, not at all. Why don't you take a nap first? I imagine the half-wit will keep ringing till a man's able to finish a sentence. Oh. I started to say it was my opinion B.B. Baugh's making the call. You also made a guess it was uh, Felter Unbleat and his imaginary brother, or Richard. Uh, maybe we won't need you in this, Rush. Oh. 
Oh, answer the phone, Uncle Fletcher. When the numbskull telephone rings, the American public dashes for it like it might explode if it wasn't answered the first five seconds. Hello? Yes, this is Fletcher Rush speaking. Who? Oh, hello. Ernie Fatler. Uh, yes. You don't know him, Sprawl. My daughter Florence is going to sew me a pocket on my shawl. Uh, then I'll have a place to keep them peanuts with the chocolate smeared on the outside. Tell her to sew a pocket on your baby bonnet. Then you'll have a place to stick a lighted candle and can see where you're going. <laughs> Uncle Fletcher, you're keeping your friend on the telephone waiting. This is Ernie Fatler on the telephone. Well, speak to Ernie Fatler. Sadie, honey, who is handling this affair? Oh, yes. Hello, Ernie. Ernie Fatler is a ticket agent down in the interurban station. He'll enjoy that. You're familiar with Ernie Vick? Sure. Where's the green eye shade and the cigar behind his ear and the indelible pencil marks on his chin where he forgot he had an indelible pencil and moistened it by accident, then poked himself in the chin and left marks? Ernie and I are all corny. I'll give Ernie your regards. Do that. Hello, Ernie. He's a great old Ernie. So did the earth. Hello, Ernie. Ernie. Oh, Ernie. He's hung, hung up. up. Yes. And that's what numbskull hung up. Very rude of him. I'll hang up myself, by George. Ernie Fatler's a fine chap, but he's got a few rough edges. Trust Ernie Fatler with your last shirt. Put your valuables unhesitatingly in Ernie Fatler's care. Let Ernie Fatler handle your stocks and bonds. But don't allow Ernie Fatler into your gold and silver drawing room and permit him to loll on your red velvet couch. Ernie Fatler lacks polish. Ernie Fatler lacks the subtle, high-toed, lobby dog garbage which marks a man as a fashionable uh, Ernie Fatler's ringing. Ernie Fatler's ringing. Talk to him this time. Don't make him stand there with a the receiver to his ear while you make jokes about Mr. Sprawl's baby bonnet. Yes. Hello? Who? Yes, yeah, speaking. And who's this? Well, hello, old pal. B.B. Ball. Uh, What's new, old pal? Was it B.B. Ball that called a while ago? No. Was it Ernie Fatman? No. B.B. Ball's telling me a funny thing that happened when he was stirring up a pot of hyena goose this afternoon. Mm. Uh, go right ahead, B.B. At least three different fellas have called here for Uncle Fletcher's been supper, huh? At least four. The first guy was different from the second, and neither one of them was either Fatter or Ball. Hmm. <laughs> mighty funny, B.B., mighty funny. I'll relay that on to my husband on her knees. Now, Vic and Sadie, honey, B.B. Ball tells... Beg pardon, B.B.? You're going to hang up? I see. Well, look, B.B., why don't you call me back in a half hour or so? I'll be down the interurban station. Yeah. You do that, B.B. Okay, B.B. Bye-bye, B.B. My daughter Florence, I guess she's still downtown. Yes, Mr. Sprawl. She'll be along directly. Yes. There was the funny thing that happened to B.B. Ball when he was stirring up a pot of hyena grease this afternoon. He was down in the basement. Telephone's ringing. Telephone's ringing. Hi, hi. Who's at home? This might possibly be for me. <laughs> I'd bet a nickel on the strength of that possibility. Hello? Yes. Oh, hello, Y-I-I-Y. Y-I-I-Y Skeever, the barber down there at the Butler House Hotel. Uh... How's garbage with you, Y-I-I-Y? Nothing new, huh? I see. Well, keep in touch with me. I'll be down on the interurban station, Y-I-I-Y. Why don't you give me a ring in half an hour? Sure. Okay, Y-I-I-Y. Goodbye, Y-I-I-Y. Oh, so that's it, huh? 
Beg pardon, Lady Huddle? You deliberately instruct these chums of yours to call you on the telephone. Yeah. You don't have any business with them or anything. You just ask them to call for the sake of calling. That's it, Lady Honey. Oh. I don't know why I never thought of it before. Bucks a man up to be wanted on the telephone. Makes them feel important. Take me half an hour from now when I saunter in the interurban station. I'll receive the information I had from three to six telephone calls. The bystanders, the habitually skulks in the interurban station will gape and stare. Probably even while they're gaping and staring, the telephone will ring, and it'll be for me. They won't make nothing special out of it. I'll swagger up to the telephone and put the receiver up to my ear and demand to know who wants me. The bystanders crane their ears and oogle and stretch. I'm not going to say anything about childish tricks, Uncle Fletcher. I'm not going to say anything about... Oh, yes. Telephone's ringing. Telephone's ringing. I heard the telephone. Yes, Mr. Spraw, you did. This might possibly be for me, Sadie, honey. Uh-huh. I'll answer. Do that. Hello? This is Fletcher Rush speaking. Michigan, Michigan from Michigan, Michigan. Hello, Michigan, Michigan from Michigan, Michigan. Michigan, Michigan from Michigan, Michigan. <laughs> Which concludes another brief visit at the small house halfway up in the next block. There you have it. Vic and Say, November 29th, 1945. That was sponsored by Oxidol. And that starred Bernadine Flynn, Clarence Hartzell, Art Van Harvey, Johnny Coons, Billy Eilson, and Rye Billsbury doing the announcing on there. Good old Rye. How'd you like that for a name? Rye Billsbury. It's a nice name. Yeah. I might name my uh, next... Uh, next what? Puppy dog. <laughs> okay, good. Thinking a puppy dog. <laughs> good. You know? Rye. That's a, That's I like a cute that. name. That's a cute name for a dog. Rye. Hey, Maybe Rye. Maybe it's short for like Ryan or something. No, it was R-Y-E. Right. Rye Billsbury. Like Ryan Sandberg. It's so close. Rye. Just missing an N at the end. Yeah. That's Vic and Say. Hope you enjoyed that. A great, great series. Uh, I just love I just love hearing those shows. Um, I, same thing with Lum and Abner. When I was collecting as a kid, Lum and Abner didn't make any sense to me. But now as I listen to Lum and Abner, especially the 15-minute episodes, they're just hysterical, and they kind of had a continuing thread for a while. You know, they would go on for weeks and tell a storyline. We have to play some Lum and Abner. We let's haven't do play, it. We haven't played any Lum and Abner in a long, long time. I'll find some. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more here on the WGN Radio Theater. Don't forget, shop at Woodman's and then take a photo of your receipt and email it to me at woodmanswgn at gmail.com. And we are switching out the 12 shows you'll get. So if you shop in June, you're going to get different shows. And if you shopped in May, which means you have different shows than when you shopped in April. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I can go all the way back. I'm going to do the entire calendar backwards. What do you think of that? All right. Can you say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious backwards? I'm not going to try. Just that's that's your job, right? I can. Backwards. No, I can. Go ahead. I'm not going to. No, I don't want to show off. No, I don't think you I can. I can do it. Okay. Oh, look at look at Kurt, Kurt, Curtis, Curtis, Curtis in there. I can do it. Trust me on this. I okay. can say it backwards. Well, then we'll just leave it at that. Want me to show off and do it? No. Okay. See, I know how to get... Kurt, Curtis wants me to do it. You want me to do it, Curtis? I want you to do it, Carl. Do you think right I can do right it? Now. Folks, do you think I can do it? 
I think you can do it, but I want you to show off. Docious Ala Expelistic Fragicella Super. Huh? Good job. All right. So there. There you go. I never say I can do something if I can't do it. Didn't I do a cartwheel in the hallway for you? <laughs> you could call it that. <laughs> Curtis, I told, like her, I told her I could do a cartwheel, a... and she was like, you can't do a cartwheel. I'm like, oh, yeah. I Wait, can do a your cartwheel. legs did not go up. My, I it, I completed the cartwheel. I did not have to go Carl, to, to the emergency room, and I completed, completed a movement. And you didn't I go com- to the emergency I room. It wasn't a cartwheel. I put both hands on the ground. Yes, my his hands legs went, went over ground. my head. His legs then? did not go over his head. Are you crazy? They absolutely Are you cuckoo for did. Cocoa he kind of like puffs? jumped around. You know how kids do it, and they put their hands on. They kind of jump. No, yeah. yes. I did it. The only like, way. I will be happy to film you I doing that. I would have that. gotten a 10 by the American judge, <laughs> 9 by the Russian judge. I'm telling you right now. Tripping okay. and falling doesn't count as a cartwheel. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shawberg. Oh, yeah. It wasn't tripping. It was oh, yeah. falling with style. Yeah, Shawberg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Roger, somebody told me to tell you that Toronto has the one game lead over Golden State, not the other way around. Well, yeah, Roger. Well, then our, What'd you do, trip and fall and did your news wrong? Yeah, no, then the NBA site is wrong. What'd you do, read it wrong? Did you put no, your glasses on backwards? Right. Huh? I read it right. Huh? Huh? It falls down the ramp. <laughs> can you do a Here, cartwheel? Do a, can you do a cartwheel? Yes, I can. Okay. I can also do a roundoff. Yeah? I was on gymnastics team. I was in gymnastics, when? too. In high school. <laughs> in, in the 1900s. When it was about 80 pounds lighter. <laughs> in, yeah. 1900s. in the 18th I was, century. I was, on, I was on the Roman team at the first Olympics. Exactly. <laughs> the Roman team. That's what I figured. Uh, yeah, we did a lot of Roman. Yeah, you know what he did? He, he, did a, he did a cartwheel, and then he went to the vomitorium. The, oh, man. <laughs> this is what happens at 2 a.m. Yeah. I'm just saying. Oh, we get change. really slap happy around yeah. this time. I'll tell you. I didn't you. notice that. I got some coffee here, though, Lisa, so Good. I should be okay Well, driving. I'm not in the car with you tonight, That's so right. you're I on forgot. your own. <laughs> I forgot. I'm, I'm driving by myself tonight. forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. It won't be any fun, but... Woo. Uh, but we had, a great, we had a great show. And uh, tonight, it's cold in tonight when we come back, yeah. we're going to play Life with the Luigi. <laughs> Life with Luigi. At the CBS Radio Workshop. Yeah. So we have another show, a great show, and we're going to do uh, some great contests and give away some great prizes. So we have a fun filled show. And my two good pals, Jim and Luann, were here the whole time. Thank you so much. Do uh, you want to say hi to anyone out there? Any kids listening or anything like that? No, everybody. Uh, they're all asleep. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, I hope you had fun. Bucket hope you enjoyed. List. Did you enjoy it? Absolutely. Had a good time. Bucket list. Oh man, Lisa's fabulous. I, you know, Lisa <laughs> is pretty fabulous. She really it, is. No, it's great to be here and great to meet you. And we had a great night. And we're going to have another one tonight. Yeah, when we come back and the here. The cookies were delicious. The cookie was delicious. Oh. My yeah. pleasure. Yeah. I tell you what, did you like those snacks? That Luann brought in? Yeah. Oh, man. They were good. Yeah, I had like a... That's really sweet. Lisa ate all the meat out of my sandwich, <laughs> though. What? I, my, I, had a, I had a meat sandwich, and then I, I looked, and there was only bread Roger, in there. do you believe did, did she, she eat stole the middle? No. She, she stole the middle of it? Yeah, she I stole the meat out of it. I got a sandwich, but I'm saying for tomorrow, she's but like I did a, eat the chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's a meat stealer, <laughs> Yeah, that's Lisa. me. That's yeah, me. Yeah, right. <sighs> Don't forget the fruit. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, so Dave Plyer, what's on his show? This uh, he's uh, getting ready here. Yeah, so. we, we've got Scott Pelly from uh, CBS News. He's got a new book out, Truth mm-hmm. Worth Telling. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you guys know, t- uh, yesterday marked 95 years of uh, WGN. So he's going to reshare a conversation he had with Radio Hall of Famer and historian Chuck. Can you Shaden. reshare? Is that is that a word? Reshare. Yes. Okay. Just wondering. I'm going to put it in my. Hang on. Put it in my. Add it to your book. Put it in my thesaurus. A thesaurus. Okay. What else? Oh, Chuck Shaden's going to be on. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, talking about the history of WGN through all the decades of 95 years of historic radio. Well, we've been on for about that long, so we're pretty up on the history of WGN. And And that's all tonight. Wow, what else? Anything else? No, then uh, we'll we'll have a, an older conversation with uh, Dave Schwan for This Is History, mm-hmm. and then uh, that'll, that'll do it. That'll wrap it up? Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar and Vic and Say. I want to thank Shantae Garth. Uh, she's an amazing producer, did a terrific job as always. 